Hello. Now, in this episode, I'm talking with Francis Cosway of White Pebble Interiors about kitchens. Now, this is the first of a two-part episode series uh, that we're doing on kitchens and how to get it right in their interior design. So, let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet, it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews in both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colors, materials and items that you'll be living with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101, then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers, the numerals 101. So Interior Design 101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Now let's kick off our episode. Kitchens are a big source of cost and angst in any project. They can be the hero of a family home and they're often the starting point for in the interior design direction for many homeowners. They're really, you know, they're generally a sizable investment and they can be the whole reason that many homeowners renovate or build in the first place. Anyone who's been living with a dysfunctional kitchen knows just how frustrating and inconvenient it can be in everyday family life. Looking forward to a new kitchen can be super exciting. Perhaps you're living with one which is tucked away in its own room and it's disconnected from the rest of the home. Or one that's dark and pokey and has absolutely no bench space. Or one that has very little storage. Or one where the only place to fit your fridge is out in the living room. Or maybe it's a combination of all of those things. I know that list describes many a kitchen that I've lived with in the last 15 years or so. When you're planning a new or renovated home, the idea of having a working kitchen that's simple to use, stores everything neatly, is a great place to gather, makes cooking and entertaining easy and feels connected to the rest of the home so that you can keep an eye on all the goings on. Well, that is something that's really great to look forward to. And I see many homeowners start their planning there. In fact, many homeowners actually start their renovation with, oh, we'll just do up the kitchen and then that snowballs into a much bigger project. 
Kitchens are probably one of the biggest pieces of eye candy as well when it comes to Pinterest images, looking on house, looking on Google generally. All the gadgets and the storage and the large open bench spaces and the fancy taps and the high-end finishes. There are a lot of lustworthy aspirational images out there calling out to you when you start planning a new kitchen. But if you start digging on costs, then you can see just how quickly prices can run away. Now, in many of these glossy images, you're actually missing information on how to choose for durability, low maintenance and long lasting finishes and appliances and fixtures for your family life. There's so many lookalike materials as well now that it's actually hard to know whether they're going to perform as well and if you'll get as good a result. And what I see is that homeowners are designing really large kitchen spaces, almost disproportionately large compared to other parts of their home. And then they try and fit them out, you know, choose all their finishes with low quality materials because they just can't afford to stretch their budget over the size of the kitchen that they've allowed for. I've actually done an episode in season two of the podcast on kitchen design. It's a great listen for thinking about the overall layout and incorporating spaces like a walk-in pantry or a butler's pantry or an appliance cupboard, all that type of thing. And in that episode, I also talk about how to consider orientation and overall planning of your home to get your kitchen right. So if you head to the show notes, I'll have a link to that episode there so that you can check it out. Now in this episode and the next, Francis and I are going to be diving into much more of the nitty gritty detail about the kitchen itself and discussing the real materiality of the kitchen. These are all the elements and decisions that often overwhelm many homeowners because there's a lot that goes into a kitchen and most homeowners are only thinking about appliances, bench tops, uh, cupboard fronts and splashback. But for kitchens that work and look good, they're going to involve so many more things than just those items alone. And so I really encourage you to be thinking about all of these nitty gritty details as you're designing the kitchen itself so that you know that your dreams and your budget are tracking in alignment with each other. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Let's listen now. Okay, Francis, we are going to be diving into kitchens. We're taking a couple of episodes to do this because there's a lot to talk about. And this isn't, I mean, where this is about talking about the materiality of what goes into a kitchen. So I've got an episode in season two of the podcast that talks about the thoughts around designing a kitchen, where to locate it in the home, the layout, all those kinds of things. So I'll pop a link to that in the show notes. I've also got lots of blogs on the website about kind of considering kitchen layouts, what works for a family home. What we're really focusing on in the next couple of episodes is the materiality of the kitchen, the components, what goes into it, all the selections that you need to make to get it right in all of the pieces that you're putting together. So... Let's start with the carcass because we've got the carcass of the kitchen, which is also known as the cabinetry or the cupboards, and you can source them in a different, a couple of different materials. Uh, there's particle board, there's high density moisture resistant uh, board, which is HDMR. There's also, um, uh, and that's covered in melamine. And then there's also, um, you can still see some kitchens getting made out of solid timber. I know it's a low tox preference to make kitchens out of solid timber but it's not that common in Australia but if you watch things like the Fixer Upper show on HGTV you know in the States you can see they still assemble kitchens out of timber and then they spray them on site so lots of different um, opportunities and thoughts around this. Can we just talk through the some of the things to be aware of uh, in terms of understanding carcasses? Um, you know, for example, the adjustability of the dimensions, what you need to specify. So sometimes people don't realise they need to specify they want adjustable shelves. Um, thinking about using drawers instead of cupboards, just all the kinds of considerations that go into actually the, I suppose it's the skeleton of the kitchen, isn't it really? It's the guts. It's actually the stuff that makes it functional. We all think about the colours that we want on the face and the tops of it, but the carcass 
is where you're actually going to be storing everything. So can you talk through how you consider the carcasses of the kitchen and what you do in terms of your selection and, and the materials of them? Okay, so I'll talk about the carcass as in the frame. It's not the front panel of the actual kitchen. So it's the body of what everything's made of, it, how the the shelves or the um, drawers are actually formulated from. So one of the things to watch out for is that you've got the solid, it's normally 16 mil, so that you're getting that made in MDF board because it's more moisture resistant than normal HMR board, the particle board, so it's a bit denser. Um, so it's stronger as well. But some kitchen manufacturers will actually make the backboard out of a much thinner piece of MDF or particle board rather than it being the same thick thickness as the rest of the carcass. So that's something and that's that's then, you know, affecting the strength and the durability of, of those uh, carcass boards. So that's one thing to consider and make sure that your cabinet maker is using the same uh, thickness all the way around. Uh, in terms of, gee, where do we start with this one? So specifying whether you want drawers or um, shelving, having adjustable shelves in a kitchen is going to be much more functional because you can then adapt those to fit in whatever you need to adapt. Um, you need to think about how many shelves you may want. A good cabinet maker will give you some extras anyway in case you need to store uh, smaller things. Um, but, you know, if you've got your, your standard heights, um, maybe a metre, 600, you know, you probably want two, at least two shelves in there. Uh, with regards to drawers, drawers are becoming the piste de resistance in terms of, of kitchens. They store a lot more. Um, they're fully fully extendable. That You definitely want to make sure that you're using fully extendable runners and that you're using uh, hardware that has a lifetime guarantee. So don't go for the cheap draw runners, they get really stiff, they they creak and everything else. Um, the fully extendable, you can you store up to 150 kilos worth of crockery in some of these drawers. So working out where you want drawers and where you want your cupboards is really, uh, really important. I, I run with my clients what I call a kitchen deep dive, uh, where we actually work out where everything's going to be going, rather than just designing the kitchen and saying, well, uh, I'll just move in and, and work out where everything's going to go. It is really before working out what you've got in your kitchen now, what's my ideal scenario, where do I want everything to go? And that will actually determine whether you're having overheads, how many drawers, cupboards and where everything's going to go. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. And I think, you know, we can go a bit overboard on the drawer scenario because I think when you're coming from older homes that are all cupboards and you're sick of getting down on your hands and knees, I know that we've got cupboards here. Some of them are, I think, 800 deep and they're just this kind of everything gets stacked behind each other. And so the idea of having a fully extendable drawer is just the idea of heaven. But, you know, sometimes cupboards are really handy. And so it's a case of just figuring out where do you really want them? Of course, the drawers are going to be more expensive than doing just the cupboards. And uh, it's so, yeah, it's definitely worthwhile. In terms of the the heights and things like that of them, they do come in fairly standard heights, don't they, in terms of the overheads versus the below bench. So um, I see homeowners sort of not necessarily realising this, that they get made. I mean, every all of these, this componentry is getting made out of a standard sheet size. And so you don't, you know, the, the more custom you go, the more you wasted you're going to have. You can pay for the whole sheet. And so you're going to be paying for the stuff that ends up in the bin. So really sort of starting to see, okay, the standard heights, the standard sort of widths of things and perhaps I just customise one component at the end and I try and keep this as modular as possible so that I can uh, I can tap into some efficiency in how it's going to cost and how it's going to get made. 
and and look, the sheet sizes are generally two uh, two point four or two four four zero mil, and by twelve hundred. So if you can think about the equation in terms of getting your customization and getting as many components built out of those sheets as you can, because yeah, the rest of it's either going to be yeah, put in a skip because it's very unusual that they're going to use anything with the offcuts. So it is good to know the sheet size and that also affects your height as well um, for your long pieces of cabinetry too. So um, obviously with more customization, as you're saying, more wastage, more cost. Yeah, definitely. And people don't obviously don't realise that if they're going to have a cupboard that's taller than 2,400, they're going to need to make it out of two components because they've only, the maximum height of a sheet is 2,400. So, you know, it's why you often introduce bulkheads, drop ceilings over kitchens so that you're, you know, dealing with that 2,400 height. So we've got the lowers or the bottom carcasses. They sit on legs um, and they're often just a plastic sort of leg that then gets hidden behind the kick plate. The kick plate is the bit that runs around the bottom of the carcasses. It actually is set back from the face and it's got a generally a laminate finish. So it will be about 100 millimetre high, set back about 50 mil. That's so that your toes have got somewhere to go when you're standing at the cupboard. What do you, is that what you generally do? And do you choose like a, do you, do you have some specific rules around the color that you choose for the kick plate? Sort of how do you approach that? And, you know, because that's what gets hit, I think, when the floor gets swept and mopped and, you know, so how do you sort of process that in? So I suppose the first thing is, yeah, 100 mil high is pretty standard. You can recess it back a little bit more, but I know some people who want the perception that their kitchen is looking a little bit more floating recess that kicker back or kickboard kickers is also what it's known as uh, a little bit more but what you've got to be mindful of is how your vacuum cleaner and your broom can easily access under there so that's one point what it's made out of I don't always do it in laminate so if I'm having a white kitchen for example I wouldn't generally have a contrasting color I'd have it in the same color sometimes I actually use um, the leftovers of the stone and I have the kicker made out of stone because it's a lot more durable. So particularly if you're having um, a white bench top and you're having a white kitchen, you can easily use the leftover stone as the kicker. And that is really, really hardy and it's not going to chip like a laminate may. Um, you can also use aluminium as your as your kicker. And then there's also vinyl. So it, there are combinations. Uh, if you are having a different colour kitchen, um, so white, there's no real reason in my mind to have that as a big contrast because it's like, hey, look at my kicker. But if you've got maybe a different colour and you do want to have a contrast colour or you've got the aluminium, um, then it is nice to mix that up uh, a little bit. So, And it also depends on the durability of the material that, that you're after for your kicker. The best thing to do is obviously lie all these finishes beside each other and try and get samples that sort of proportionately, you know, we would often sit whatever we were choosing for the cupboard, um, the sample for that over the top of the kicker and proportionally sort of hide as as much as, you know, you're going to see the two sitting because it's a hundred millimetre strip when you might have sort of 750 mil face of cupboard sitting above it. So it's really that thing of sort of seeing how that all ties together. So, and I think, um, yeah, for me, I often find that, um, you can choose colours, obviously, from somewhere else in the kitchen so that you can have that contrast working. And, yeah, I think that it's, um, a, you know, a kitchen that I did, we did a black shadow line at the, at the top of the cupboards below the bench and so we did a black kicker around the bottom and it was um, really, yeah, it was quite interesting to sort of say. So, um, but that's but what it, I was just about to say, that if you have componentry, you might have black handles and black's a great example. You've got a shadow line that goes all the way around and then you've got a black kicker. That's really quite smart. 
Yeah, fantastic. And it's one of those things that people sort of don't even think about having to choose. They're so focused on the cupboard fronts, they sort of forget that that's their, there's an extra piece there that they can potentially have a different colour um, in. So now cupboard fronts and fixed panels. So again, lots of choices here, lots of material choices as well. Um, and I know that you've got some preferences about what you like using. So we've got laminate cupboard fronts um, or which is generally just laminex and they might have a laminex edge or an abs edge which is like sort of a, a plastic edge around them um, we've got vinyl wrap we've got two pack um, which is two pack polyurethane we've got veneer which would be uh, a very thin sheet of timber or something like that adhered to the face and then we've got solid timber so they were the main ones that i could think of what are your general preferences and what special considerations do you people need to be aware of with the different material choices? Okay, so I'll start from least expensive to most expensive in that order. So Malamine's the least expensive, and we talked about that uh, before. So it's a particle board. It's not as it's not a sheet like laminate that sits on top of the board, so it's not as durable. What I've actually subsequently found out very recently is a lot of the high end kitchens are being made out of Malamine. And the client thinks that they're getting a laminate kitchen because the malamine looks the same, but it's actually not as durable. So be very, very careful. Um, I think a lot of people are feeling, and I, I didn't realize this until a manufacturer was telling me that they feel that it's an interchangeable name and it's not. Malamine is not the same as laminate. Laminate is the generic term, even though we have a brand here called Laminex, that is a brand of laminate product. There's also Polytech, uh, which is also a big uh, producer of melamine and laminate board. Laminate is definitely the superior product, and yes, you've got the edging, as you mentioned. Um, you're getting a lot of laminates now that are fingerprint resistant. They are definitely a premium product, though, and they're certainly not in the lower category, and you're getting wood grains and textures and the, 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 the technology in terms of the digital uh, printing of what that timber looks like is certainly getting much, much better. The fingerprint resistant I'm finding at the moment is becoming a big uh, a big game changer and the laminate products are now outstripping a lot of the others just from the fingerprint resistant and that's really come from the commercial space. Uh, then we have vinyl wrap uh, and that's really had a beating from the, uh, of recent times. Look, in the 70s it wasn't a high-performing product. It's known for peeling. Uh, it wasn't installed correctly. They didn't have a buffer plate between the stove, for example, and the heat would then affect the vinyl. Vinyl's come a long, long way, uh, and it's probably my preferred product because you've got the – you don't have the ABS etching, so you don't have that plastic edging. The product goes all the way around like a paint product would, so you have a really smooth finish on the edges. You can get lots of different um, panel types, so there's a lot of different designs that you can use, um, and it comes also now in a timber finish, so you can now get a vinyl wrap uh, these days with a, a timber look on them. There's also a lot of products uh, that are made in Australia, which is great to know from a, a vinyl wrap and also your laminate products too. Then we've got two-pack, uh, as you mentioned, that's effectively, if you think about a car paint, incredibly durable um, on the surface. I find that two-pack can chip. I think the instances where I'd use two-pack is when you want a very specific colour for your kitchen. Uh, of course, laminates and malamines and vinyl wraps come in a, a set standard colours, you can't actually go and get a custom colour made where two-pack is whatever paint colour you can think of is the colour that you can choose for your kitchen. I find for a family kitchen, two-pack is it chips very easily, particularly if you've got finger grip and you've got a, a shark nose edge, which is that um, 
90 degree angle or 45 degree, uh, it can chip very easily. So I don't find it as durable as a vinyl. Uh, then there's timber veneer, which I'm finding is really being priced out of the market. It's a couple of mil thick. It is a real timber put onto a board. It's incredibly expensive. And then you need to work out whether you want it crown cut or all the different cuts and getting that all to match up. Um, but it is a beautiful product um, if, if you've got the budget for it. We're talking to $300 a square metre. It is really expensive. And solid timber. Uh, the amount of solid timber kitchens I'm seeing that were so big in the 70s, um, it's sort of a shame that they're not uh, being used as much as what they were in the past. And I'm just talking about the fronts being solid timber. It's expensive, but you can certainly get a beautiful, beautiful finish. Ply is also quite common now, marine grade ply, um, for a completely different look in your kitchen. But that would be your most expensive product ad. So I've worked back from most cost effective to most expensive. Yeah, I think that's a really good run through. What's your preference out of all of those? What do you like to work with and what do you generally recommend to homeowners? It is vinyl wrap. Mm -hmm. I think because you've still got it, it's slightly cheaper than two-pack, although those two products are almost now the same price. I think because of its durability, uh, it is, it's not chipping to the same degree as two-pack. So I think for a hard functional kitchen, vinyl wrap really has, has got the tick for me. Yeah, that's it's interesting, isn't it? I think probably my favourite out of all of them would be um, the Laminex or Laminate, and I like specifying it. I just think it's a really economical choice for that's really durable for a family home, and I think you know um, you can still put a, a reconstituted stone bench top and uh, a lovely splashback and um, and still have a very lovely looking you know Laminate. Laminate has come a long way, as you say. It doesn't look like the cheap seventies kitchens anymore, and I often will choose a contrast. ABS edging so like a silver or a black on a lighter door um, I find then means that this thing the problem is with laminate board obviously is that you even when you put the edging on it you can often see the dark kind of core of the board particularly if you've got a white front on it you'll see the dark core of the board just in how the edging meets the face but the ABS edging does a good job of kind of concealing that and if you're choosing a contrast color ABS edging that can also do a really good job and the ABS edging is it's um it's cushiony so you don't sort of find that when you close the doors you get the same sort of clicking bashing noise that you do with um with the laminex edging so but yeah we i mean we use two pack in our in our renovation projects because that was what the market kind of expected i chatted some time ago to um uh uh, to Drew from Greener Kitchens and he has a preference for using solid timber and, you know, Forestry Stewardship Council, um, solid timber. So it's really your agenda, I suppose, in terms of whether you're particularly wanting a sustainable low-tox kitchen, you're wanting something that's super economical, you know, and weighing up all of those choices. But, um, yeah, I think that's a really good run through of understanding. And, again, thinking about the board sizes, what's what what are they available in, what are your limitations in terms of the sizes of things, you know, some you don't want to sometimes if you do in particular materials you do long thin cupboards you'll find that they actually are twisting at either end and certain material types so you might have to actually upgrade the thickness of the cupboard front in order to cope with that bigger expanse so yeah I think just one thing on laminate because it has come so far and there's so many different types you, you fingerprint resisting being a real premium price it's going to well exceed the price of two-pack. But also with some of the textures, um, they're actually also quite expensive. So you need to not just specify laminate, it's the type of laminate you're going to be using. I'm also finding laminates that are coming out of Europe are far superior in terms of, particularly if you're wanting a wood grain, 
really, really lifelike, but also their edging tape is so good and it's such a small, God, even half a mil, the edging tape at the side, you can barely see that it is actually has got the tape on it. So it is worth looking at, at many different types and not just particularly what we see here a lot, which is Polytech and Laminex products brand. Yeah. Thank you so much, Francis. I think that's um, some really great advice for homeowners in all of the componentry that can go into their kitchen and our first look at that. Thanks again, Amelia. Cheers. I really hope that you enjoyed part one of our kitchen conversation. Head to the show notes and you'll be able to grab links and resources mentioned in this episode and also to get in touch with Francis and White Pebble Interiors or to check out her book, Your Forever Home. You'll also find the link there to learn more about Interior Design 101, which is a self-study online program that will help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. Inside Interior Design 101, uh, Francis and I will talk more in detail about flat pack kitchens because these can actually be a great alternative, but they're not always cheaper. And there's specific things that you need to know uh, before going this way with your kitchen. We also discuss information about splashbacks and the various choices that are available to you there and what you need to consider when you're making your selection. I've also included some information about kitchen layouts with some specific detailed drawings and dimensions and really key things to know both in the planning of your kitchen and in the elevation or the section, the, the heights of things so that you can really get all of those dimensions right and get the kitchen working in a really functional way. So there's some specific layout information that I take you through in Interior Design 101 to explain this at a really detailed level. And some exciting news is that I've actually put my really popular five-day kitchen design challenge inside Interior Design 101 as a special bonus. It's a fantastic burst of information that just takes you through the practical formula to creating a kitchen that you'll love spending time in and that will work for you and your family. Now, in the next podcast episode, we're going to be continuing our conversation about kitchens. We're going to talk more about bench tops and some of the other key decisions that you need to make for a durable and fantastic looking kitchen. As always, huge gratitude to you. Thanks for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.